Hello, everybody, and welcome to the latest episode of the Going Over Big Time podcast. I am Mike Charlip, and today I am joined by the Cantastic Alan and the Texas Gentleman Tanner. Everybody's got a nickname but me, but uh, <laughs> we're here today to review AW Wrestle Dream. It was one hell of a show, and I gotta say off the top that I there's a lot that I loved and not a lot that I didn't love. Um, so uh, we'll start with Alan. What do you have to say about the show as a whole? At first, I was slightly hesitant about AEW going beyond their four pay-per-views because I was of the mindset that they would eventually turn into like a WWE, you know, one premium live event PPV every month. And it's like, what's the, um, you know, how are they relevant, right? But I think this was done very well. Um, pleasantly surprised at the solid variety of styles that we got to experience um conveniently taking place on the one year anniversary of the death of uh, the legend antonio noki um and this show was designed to be a tribute to uh you know the founder of new japan pro wrestling very mm -hmm. heavy involvement with new japan pro wrestling but this was not booked as like a forbidden door style crossover where it was like a joint aew new japan it was like it's a tribute to Antonio Noki, uh, but you know it also had its own distinctive AEW flavor to it. So much so that if they had taken out that beginning uh, ceremony of uh, honoring Inoki in the ring, you wouldn't have like noticed it was um, an Antonio Inoki tribute show. Um, you know, unless you heard the commentators mention it or like some of the wrestlers do stuff in the ring. Um, I thought the tribute to Inoki was a nice touch. Uh, I really cracked up um, at the end of the ceremony when they panned backstage to Christian Cage looking at the monitor, and then I'm realizing, oh, damn it. Inoki's grandsons are in there, and their grandfather's dead. That's going to be a problem <laughs> at some point. Uh, yeah, so uh, before we uh, uh, go over to Tanner, yes, uh, as you mentioned, uh, once the... Uh, the pre-show uh, kicked off. Uh, Tony Khan was in the ring with uh, Katsuyori Shibata, uh, Rocky Romero, and uh, Antonio Inoki's two grandsons. And uh, they presented them with flowers, and they were all wearing uh, scarves, just like uh, Antonio Inoki. And uh, yeah, it was uh, a nice little tribute at the beginning to uh, honor the legend and... Yes, they panned to the back where Christian was watching it for some reason. Uh, <laughs> uh, Tanner, uh, what do you have uh, to say about the show as a whole? I, I I think Alan pretty much hit the nail on the head when he said that there was a little bit of um, trepidation, I guess, for me as well. A little bit of curiosity uh, going into the show because, <clears throat> again, as Alan put it, there's not really anything that would make you sit back and go, oh, this is a joint New Japan AEW show, right? I mean, besides Shibata, Zack Sabre Jr., that's about it. Um, but I think that they proved something very 
integral in that uh, when when we do have these these partnerships like like New Japan and AEW, we don't always need to have Okada come over. We don't always need to have Tanahashi come over. We don't always need to have uh, Naito come over, right? Um, Shibata in of, in of himself, he's a legend uh, of New Japan Pro Wrestling, in my opinion. Uh, I think he's one of the greatest to ever do it. Uh, mm-hmm. Zack Saber Jr. had a amazing match tonight uh, with uh, yeah. with uh, Brian Danielson, and, and of course, uh, Ozzy Open showed out with FTR. So, again, you don't need the supposed heavy hitters of uh, New Japan Pro Wrestling, whether you consider them contemporary or or of yesteryear we we don't need the the heavy hitters at all times to pull off a fantastic show yeah i I fully and i nearly forgot that will osprey was on the card i that that (laughs) didn't cross my mind either so yeah there you go yeah he he kind of uh was in the background for most of what he had going on there but um yeah I, i i wholeheartedly agree that uh, this show just being a tribute show to a legend and not necessarily needing a full-on New Japan crossover in it, I think that is reserved for Forbidden Door. And uh, this is just something else that they can sprinkle in some New Japan because of the connection. Um, which is fine, because at this show, literally, from top to bottom... Everything was great. Everything. Um, there was there, there. It was so much fun. I had so much fun watching it the whole entire time. And I think um, I did see a lot of people online talking about how long the show was. But I never felt that watching this show. A lot of times I do feel it when it's like five hours long like this was. But I just didn't this time because I was having such a good time. Yeah, yeah uh, I mean, it's um, you. I, re- I I was taking notes myself, and I, at at some point I just stopped because I was like, I kind of want to enjoy the rest of the show. This is really good, uh-huh. and it was just uh, like very solidly done. And you know, we were all expecting like the ending to end the way it did, but even. Even still, yes. I think we would we just really were surprised at how how and, uh, yes, and we will talk about that in detail as, as much as we can and uh, go from you know our opinions on all of that. So t- the show kicked off the the uh, zero hour kicked off with a mixed eight person tag, which was very random. <laughs> uh, <laughs> There, you know, there's some connection between the people in the match. It just felt like this came out of nowhere. So we had Shane Taylor and Lee Moriarty of Shane Taylor Promotions teaming with Mercedes Martinez and Diamante to take on Keith Lee, Satoshi Kojima, Athena, and Billy Starks. Uh, so. Shane Taylor and Keith Lee have that connection in the past of teaming in ROH. They've faced each other here a bunch of times. Um, Lee Moriarty is a new, the newest member of Shane Taylor Promotions because Big Bill's doing something. So <laughs> he, he needed something else to do. 
Um, and uh, Mercedes Martinez and Diamante have kind of been feuding with Billy Starks and Athena. So you have all of that going on, and then you just sprinkle in some Kojima. It's like, hi, everyone. It's like, hello to my American uh, fan base. Uh, anyone got bread? Oh, oh yes. wait, I'm in a what? Uh, oh, okay, sure. Um, Excalibur tried to explain Bread Club to Jim Ross. He was not, he was not uh, in on that surprisingly yeah if you, <laughs> if you ever bring up any kind of like millennial <laughs> or or postmodern thought jim ross just like he's just yeah. done he doesn't have any concept of it they should make it a they should make it a recurring thing that's jim ross's new gimmick on the uh commentary table there you know the youngins try to explain to him current trends oh what's yeah. that i didn't do that in 1997 i don't i don't remember that you goddamn crazy kids. Fuck oh. off. Fuck off. <laughs> so this match was was actually pretty short. Um, the the women started the match off, and there was a lot of uh, brawling to start off the match. Um, Athena, just out of nowhere, just hits a Kreutz Wrath on Diamante for, like, just, just out of nowhere. Like, okay, I'll just start doing Kenny Omega moves. Like, <laughs> and um, they they together with Billy Starks they did a, a double suicide dives. Keith and Shane tag in. Uh, they body block each other and they did the gimmick where the two big guys don't fall down thing. Um, mm. And then uh, Moriarty tags in and Keith just throws him around a bunch because smaller guy versus bigger guy. <laughs> um Kojima tags in machine gun chops immediately to Moriarty DDT uh two count the women run in after the after the pin attempt and the, and there's another brawl and Starks does a bunch of super kicks to Diamante Keith runs in and throws Taylor out Athena hits the O face on Moriarty <laughs> <laughs> and then uh lee hits his finisher which i can't remember the name of it's like a fireman's carry into a power slam it was called the big bang catastrophe during his uh WWE that is correct run. i think he still calls it that i just yeah, couldn't remember it just i just didn't really i just didn't write it down and yeah. then kojima followed that up with a big lariat for a three count yeah so this was literally like I, I'm pretty sure this was the shortest match of the entire show. I don't have the times up right now, but um uh, it yeah. was it was fun. It was fun for what it was. My biggest gripe with what they're doing with Athena mm -hmm. is why isn't she defending her belt? She's on this show, defend her belt. It was the second shortest match. Uh, the shortest match turn will turn out to be another match in the pre-show. Uh, you probably could guess. I'll give you a guess of which that would, one that would be later. Okay, but, yes. I know which one that is. Yeah, <laughs> but, uh, yeah you have made this point before. Um, probably not more than once and just not for this show. Uh, yeah, it's like, you know, they don't really know what to do with her during big match situations. So just throw her in a pre-show with seven other people and... 
yeah and tanner is like sinking into the ground here i, don't know what I, I am it, it, it that that's how i feel about this match it, it <laughs> oh. has me sinking into the ground yeah i mean i mean she's coming up on a one year reign as champion and yes i will say this current thing she's doing with minion training and mm-hmm. assigning fans random minion numbers is actually the most entertaining she's been it's like yeah Something clicked after Death Before Dishonor with that crazy match with Willow. Yep. Which I really thought that Willow should have taken the ROH title at that point, but I digress. But if you're going to keep the title on her, make her defend it against a noteworthy person. Like Mercedes. Like, I don't know, Chris Statlander, but she's preoccupied with them. Anybody that's not doing something? Yeah. Yeah. Anybody that's not doing something. Yeah. I'm with Alan on this. I, I, I truly subscribe to the, uh, the the train of thought that we need to start uh, merging some of these titles. Mm-hmm. We need to start unifying and, and really condensing down the number of belts that we have flying around all over the place. Yeah, and we kind of don't know where the line is <laughs> of like who's exclusive to ROH, who's exclusive to this. I mean, there's no quote-unquote it... brand split in AEW, but you have a lot of big name AEW people winning ROH belts. Yeah. And they're not on ROH television at all. No. It, it seems like they're perfectly content to blur the lines as much as humanly possible, except not reciprocate the other way to ROH. So yeah. I mean, it's do you do you keep the brand alive? Do you just keep it for you know uh, an extra TV show? Do you keep it for the library? What why what are we doing? I guess. Is, is well, the it's basically question. the new dark. We've talked about this before. No, I know. It's, but it's, it's the new AEW dark, and that's what they use it for. They they have random uh, jobbers run in to have matches with people who are signed, and they lose every time, and that's the show from top to world. bottom. What a world. So I mean I will say I will say the backstage segments are actually some of the more entertaining that I've seen out of the whole AEW ROH universe. I mean yeah. uh the stuff Samoa Joe basically imposing his will on Stokely halfway, that was funny. I mean, like I just mentioned before, Athena in her minion training basically um kidnapping uh Lexi Nair, the backstage interviewer, and turning her into her number two. And the mm-hmm. thing with Billy Starks. I mean, I, I saw that video with them doing the training in around the arena, <laughs> incorporating yeah. just Shane Taylor's randomly standing in the back. I'm like, what are these chicks doing? And then th- her training them to boo Willow. And then when they actually pass by Willow, they start booing her. She's like, what are you <laughs> doing me? I thought we were friends. Yeah. Um, so, yeah. But, you know, there are some upsides. I mean, putting Ethan Page on there was, I think, an improvement because he mm-hmm. was just going to get lost in the whole rampage dynamite collision shuffle in that point and putting him somewhere where people could, you know, focus on him for a bit, a little bit would probably help even though ROH is a streaming product on a service that, you know, you have to subscribe to if you are actively looking for it. Yeah. I mean, in a perfect world, my solution would be like just to stop Rampage and just use that one hour time slot and do a Ring of Honor show on the Friday. If you know, on T on TNT, right? That'd that be would be great. That would make the most sense. Um, <laughs> so yeah, well, I guess we'll see how things play out with 
I guess everybody in this match except Kojima, who's probably going to go back to Japan. But um, the next match was like an appetizer for <laughs> some of the other matches on the main card. And uh, easily the best match on the Zero Hour. And just, just, this was me and Tanner's kind of match, I think. <laughs> like, well, <laughs> what, what's what's funny is so so we're we're talking about Claudio Castagnoli versus Josh Barnett, right? Yes. Um. So I didn't see the match live, and so I I, I I'm begging Mike to try and describe this for all well, of us. I'll I'll give you the details that I have written down, <laughs> but uh, that's that's as far as I can go. <laughs> uh. So yes. Uh. Claudio put out an open challenge and Josh Barnett was the one who answered. Josh Barnett is a student of Antonio Inoki and so many other big names. And uh, a lot of uh, Billy Robinson talk during this match and some others during the night because of Antonio Inoki. Uh, and uh, that's another one of Josh Barnett's teachers. Uh but yes, this match uh, was a lot of. Well, first of all, Claudio came out to Wild Thing because John Moxley made his entrance here. Great. Uh, so they came out together, and Moxley did commentary for for all of the BCC matches throughout the night, and uh, got fined a lot. Um... <laughs> Just to be clear, he, Mike said he got fine. He was he wants to say Moxley was fine. Moxley was very good. He was great on commentary. He just oh, got no. fine. No, he was he got, great. Yeah, he, he was, was absolutely great. great. He was amazing he was on commentary he, he got for fine. several thousands of dollars for words you're not yes. supposed to use. Yes. <laughs> uh and he tried to cover the mic with his hand, but didn't realize that it still comes through on the hot mics that are next to him. So, it's just hilarious. But, uh, yes, John Moxley, uh, amazing on commentary throughout the night when he was there. Uh, there was a lot of chain wrestling, as you would expect, to start off this match. Um, and uh, Barnett, of course, using a lot of the MMA influence and doing big uh, slams and you know, like back, uh, you know, like, um, what's the word? Uh, belly to back, uh, suplexes, holds, suplexes. Yes. Um, they were trading holds on the ground for a long time, uh, double wrist locks into crucifixes, into hammer and el anvil elbows. Um, Barnett is fighting out of it and hits a, nasty dragon screw we saw a lot of nasty dragon screws tonight uh, on the show um this was just the beginning of those um they're back on a stand stand up and uh barnett is hitting inside leg kicks that um claudio just doesn't see coming every single time and uh because i don't think he was prepared to get some like mma in there um but uh Claudio finds an opening and hits two big uppercuts. Uh, there was a, also a lot of abdominal stretches throughout the night. Also an Antonio Inoki special 
And um, oh wait, I lost my spot. Uh, area. Okay. Uh, they uh, a lot of strikes, knee strikes, um, Muay Thai knee uh, knee strikes, um, big kick uh, by Claudio after the counter uh, two count. Barnett hits a great belly-to-belly suplex. Um, gets another near fall. Claudio fights out of it, hits the big swing, and then goes right into a heel hook, which Barnett gets out of. Claudio then locks in an octopus hold and turns it into a crucifix pin to secure the victory. So this was, of course, not as long as we would have liked because it was on the the uh, zero hour, but it was a lot of fun. And I think this was unscripted. Josh Barnett gets on the mic after the match and um, basically says, uh, so people told me about you, Claudio, and uh, I was not knowing what to expect coming in here. And um, knowing Antonio Noki like I did, I am pretty sure that he would have loved you and that I can't wait to get in the ring with you again. And everybody who has said stuff about you is correct. And, um, and, uh, you're not going to know when, but I am going to come back and I am going to, to face you again. And, uh, Claudio basically responded and said, any time, any place. And they they hugged, and uh, he uh, raised uh, Josh Barnett's hand. And, uh, yeah, it was a nice little uh, moment there. Nice, ma- a great match. And Moxley, with a lot of insight on the match throughout. Um, and, yeah, it was, it was a lot of fun. Yeah, considering that uh, Josh Barnett is one of John Moxley's sparring partners. He trains with him, and uh, yes. I like I'm the way they. I like I like the way they pan over while Josh was speaking, and like Jr. is looking over his notes as if to let us know, yeah, this is unscripted because it's not yeah. in the script. Yeah, <laughs> yeah it, it felt like they probably had to cut some time from the coming up matches because of this. <laughs> but I don't know that for sure. But, um. Yeah, so I highly recommend that Tanner go and watch this match. Oh, I might, I might just have to do that. Yeah, because <laughs> uh, yeah, it was, it was so much fun, and uh, I, I like seeing Josh Barnett uh, mix it up and in this. Uh, I mean, he's he's always been in the wrestling scene. He just doesn't wrestle as much as he grapples and does. Uh, you know, catch catch can stuff, and um, but when he does wrestle, he he always performs amazingly, and it's not surprising. Um, he always puts on that blood sport show uh, during um, the uh, collective, and you know, big weekends for GCW and stuff, and those are always good. And he always has the main event because he's quote unquote promoting it yeah 
And so, hey, Claudio said anytime, any place, right? So it doesn't have to be an AEW ring. That could is correct. Be, could be Bloodsport number whatever. Yeah, I don't know yeah. what number we're up to. 15? <laughs> yeah. But uh, yeah, so I, I look forward to seeing them face off again. Um, the next match is the aforementioned shortest match of the show. Uh, it's Luchasaurus versus Nick Wayne. Uh, to no surprise, Luchasaurus was in control for like 95% of this. Um, Luchasaurus takes control early and, uh, does this crazy looking release German suplex that literally folds Nick Wayne up like an accordion. Like, I mean, he's so tiny and Luchasaurus is so big that it's like, that man should not be doing it, doing that to that little little person. <laughs> He's only eighteen, Luchasaurus. Um, but uh, yeah, some strikes in the corner, another throw. I think it was like a choke toss. Um, Luchasaurus goes for a choke slam, and Nick flips out of it, hits a bunch of kicks to the leg, and then uh, goes off the ropes. But Luchasaurus, uh, basically runs him over with a shoulder block. Um, Luchasaurus hits a choke slam over the top rope and onto the apron. It looked nasty. And yeah. of course, Nick, Nick Wayne's mom was in the front row. Well, uh, well, Nick, well, Mrs. Wayne will be prominently featured throughout the rest of the show and up to the main event. Uh, this is yes, back to your back to that spot of uh, the choke slam onto the edge of the ring. That was nasty. Yeah. Uh, it sounded nasty. Yeah, uh, sign of a uh, things that come in the main event too. That's, uh, yes, uh, the ref uh, does a count out as uh, Nick is like crawling towards his mom, and uh, Luchasaurus grabs Nick and basically gets him into a Cazador position and then just swings his head into the barricade. <laughs> right in front of his mouth. I don't know why I thought Nick Wayne had a fighting chance here just because he's from Seattle. Because, like, obviously, oh, no. like, other than, like, the one guy from Seattle, which we'll talk later, that won his match. But other than that, it was, like... I don't know why I yeah. thought this poor kid was going to have a chance against his monster. <laughs> so then he picks him back up and chokes him in front of his mother and then hits a throat thrust. And uh, Nick's mom is screaming, of course, because her son is getting beat up. And um, Nick fights back a little in the ring, hits a standing Hits a moonsault to Luchasaurus while he's standing. Hits a super kick. Nick gets reversed and Luchasaurus hits a big clothesline to the back of his head to secure the victory. So this match was exactly what I expected it to be. Um, and I, I will talk about when we get to the main event what I like the ramifications of this match because there is a it, it, it's it's a little odd but again I'll, I'll i'll get to that when we get to the main event i thought this was fine for what it was because it was just a big guy beating up a little guy 
<laughs> in front of in front of his mother. Yeah, um, I will say it's it to me it's kind of odd learning about um, Mrs. Wayne that she's kind of playing this whole damsel in distress character throughout this whole show when she she inherited the Buddy Wayne Wrestling Academy, so she's the owner of mm-hmm. that facility and she's a professional. Like she, she, like she works on her. Like she is a self-sustaining person. Like she's a, she, she, she has her own living. Like she's not like some flower that needs like a man. Like you know the way that <laughs> playing this whole narrative. Like you know, like I and obviously you see why Christian Cage would be hitting on, on her. Like, like who wouldn't be? But yes. still, this this whole she's, she's like, very attractive. Yeah, she's very attractive and she's very successful. So it's like, and her son is not just some lightweight, even wrestling, since he was like out of his diapers. So come on. Yes. He's just very skinny. Yeah. He just looks like your, you know, your, uh, he just looks like, you know, if you're a dad with a teenage daughter, looks like your teenage daughter's he, uh, boy crush looking like he's getting his ass whooped by uh, Tyrannosaurus Rex, you know. He, he looks like a guy that just graduated high school who became a wrestler. Yeah, it's like, wait, you exactly, can do that? Which is exactly what he is. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> what an inspiration to high school kids from across America. Yeah. Him and Billy Starks together. <laughs> yeah, hey, uh, graduate high school, get your ass kicked? <laughs> well, she won. He did not. <laughs> uh, so, the next match is uh, for the AEW Trios Championship. And uh, it's the acclaimed and uh, Billy Gunn, or Daddy Ass, as he's called, uh, taking on the amazing team of TMDK, uh, Shane Haste, Mikey Nichols, and Bad Dude Tito. Um, the acclaim, uh, Shane Haste did- is an absolute treasure in this yes. fashion the the very fact they put this man behind a hockey mask in wwe <laughs> is just a crime and muted him essentially like this yes. man oozes charisma like yes. he looked on collision in his promo he was just like oh yeah you guys rap i can rap too and he does yes. he's asking mikey his partner mikey he, nicholson he dressed like lloyd christmas in an orange suit at <laughs> at G- the g1 uh <laughs> And he wore the hat throughout the tournament, <laughs> like for his entrance. Um, but uh, Max Caster, oh my god, uh, of course, does his his rap to talk about his opponents, and he mentions how um, they watch tentacle porn, and um, Shane Hastings did not deny this, which is not surprising. <laughs> <laughs> hey man, I'm in Japan. You gotta do what yeah. you know when in Rome. You know? uh, so that was hilarious. Uh the match starts off. Um Caster and Haste start off, trade a bunch of uh shots out of uh tie up, Billy Gunn tags in, and uh Shane Haste wants to do a test of strength, but he's like making faces the whole time. And uh, Billy Gunn basically just knocks him down with one punch. And then uh, Haste goes off the ropes and tries to do an arm drag. But Billy Gunn is too strong for him. So he just can't get Billy Gunn over to do the arm drag. And um, 
they uh, they fight it off, and uh, Mikey Nichols runs in. Brawl breaks out, and then Mikey Nichols uh, suffers the Scissor Me Timbers. Um, Bowens goes off the ropes and uh, is tripped by Mikey Nichols outside later on and is, then slams his face on the apron. Um, Tito tags in and takes control and hits a suplex on Bowens. And uh, double back elbows and a spin cycle combination, a um, fist drop and a standing senton. Um, by Haste and Nichols. Uh, so, uh, Nichols tags in, and TMDK is spending a lot of time cutting off the ring, preventing Bowens from getting a tag. Um, and, uh, Haste hits a big kick to the back of Bowens, and Billy Gunn finally gets the hot tag and throws everybody out except for Tito, who goes for he goes for the famouser, but Tito fights out with uh, a kick and a suplex uh, for a two count. Uh, the acclaimed are in all together, and uh, TMDK gets uh, take them out for a moment. And um, big power slam cannonball combo by TMDK. It was pretty cool because uh, Mikey Nichols did like a did like a running power slam. And then stayed on the ground, and then uh, Shane Hayes jumped off of his back to do the cannonball in the corner. Um, so that was a nice spot. Uh, eventually, the acclaimed would take control again, and uh, they would essentially just hit all of their moves on uh, Tito. Uh, Famouser, followed by the arrival, followed by the mic drop, and the acclaimed retained. So I thought this was a fun match. Um, it was exactly what I expected. I didn't never expect the TMDK to win, but just thought it was a lot of fun for what it was. It was it was an acclaimed it was an acclaimed collision match. Let, I mean, that's what it was. And it probably could have been on collision instead of on this show. Um, yeah, I mean, that's one thing I heard. I mean, I didn't mind it. I mean, they, they wanted to throw in something for the pay-per-view. So they, yeah. they wanted a New Japan crossover. And TMDK, their their boy, Sax Sabre Jr., was going to have a, one of the main matches later on the card. So yeah, why not feature these guys on a pay-per-view stage? Right? I mean, like I mentioned, Shane Hayes, like this guy, I don't know. Like, as soon as he, you know, they just like, all this man who's just oozing like this like charisma and just yeah i mean putting him on uh, yeah i mean putting him on collision would have been okay either but i didn't really have any issue with whether this match was on collision or on the pay-per-view pre-show mm -hmm. yeah it, it was fine for what it was um and yeah the acclaim retain i i gotta see the acclaim get into like a big feud now um because after House of Black, it kind of feels like they've just been opponent of the week. That's it. Yeah, it's like these trios titles are having the same issue as the like the standard women's tag team titles, no matter which promotion they're in. It's like yeah. you have you have either just the champions 
and then the one team that just kind of forms out of nowhere. Like when they started, when they started, they had a bunch of people who are trios, and people and fans made graphics of like, here's all the people who are like a free man team right now. Well, that's the thing. Um, yeah, there's so many groups that yeah. could have feuds, like, and they're just know, not. Yeah, they just had the Dark Order, but yeah, the Dark Order. Um, they just had their match. Uh, I'm very confused about Righteous and because I don't know where Stu Grayson went because he resigned with the company and now he's disappeared all over again. I don't know if it's just an injury he's dealing with or what. Um, I mean, I don't know. FTR originally they were gonna, you know, have their buddy CM Punk uh, uh, stick around. I thought you go, you would get CM FTR, but that's not happening anymore. Um, now they have a new friend. Yeah, they maybe get, right. maybe they become rated FTR. So who the hell knows, right? Yes. We'll, um, we'll talk about that later. But uh, yeah, there's like you know, I mean, you you have Ring of Honor where you like have all these like six man tag team matches, like you know, I'll just put one of them up once in a while. Yeah. It's I mean, yeah. I mean, so they, I do wanna, they do want to they do want to do like trios matches. It's just like you know they put the Ring of Honor six-man belts on their EVPs plus your former world champions. So they, they want to get some eyeballs that pay attention to that division. So what when yes. is that? Who knows? So I hope I hope that they figure that out. And um I I mean we've been saying this for so long. So I I I hope. I really hope that there is some change there. Um Tanner, you have anything on this topic before we move on? Just kind of goes back to what was talking about uh, earlier in the in the in the show. We you know, yeah about the same problem the as the ROH women's title. Exactly, exactly. Yeah. You know, these are belts that need to be unified, and I think even more so. You've got you know the um, <clears throat> the six man ROH titles, and you've got the six man uh, AEW titles. It's just. And those are also on somebody on the AEW roster. <laughs> so are the ROH tag team titles, which we're about to get to right now, I think. That is correct. The next match, the first match on the main card, was a handicap match for the ROH World Tag Team Championships as um, Adam Cole unfortunately shattered his ankle at Grand Slam. Uh and is going to be out for quite some time. So MJF uh, refused to relinquish and uh, decided that he will defend these belts by himself whenever it is time to defend these belts. And um, the first challengers were the Righteous, who won a fatal four-way to get here. And um, this match was... So much fun because MJF is just so good at what he does. Yeah, uh, but... let's allude, let's allude to some of the stuff that had been developed. So yes, Adam Cole unfortunately suffered an ankle injury, will require surgery, as far as we know. Um, yes. But who knows what the hell is going to happen? I'm very curious about like what the what the uh, conclusion of this uh, thing is. Um, we saw last week in Dynamite at the conclusion that. A bunch of random dudes in black assaulted Jay White of yes. Bullet Club Gold. And their leader appears to be somebody who is wearing MJF's devil mask. MJF is going, some idiot stole my devil mask from my locker room. No, he's yes. saying it's he, not him. 
meanwhile, you got the righteous Vincent doing these vignettes of like, you know, he's has these like paper cut paper dolls cut up. One is called the the devil or the loser, and then mm-hmm. the other is the liar, who's alluding to Adam. And if you saw the righteous's ring entrance for this match, Vincent is on crutches, and then he throws away the crutches to say, "It's it was a fake. I'm not really hurt." Yes, alluding to uh, what he he's trying to allude is Adam is not really injured, and uh-huh. who the hell knows? Okay, but that is like almost another podcast supposed to. Hold. But yes, yeah. the whole the whole thing about this handicap match was MJF comes out. And he gives a promo. First of all, he says, hey, fat boy, Dutch, I'm going to body slam you. Mm-hmm. <laughs> and that was the pop. Because MJF's whole thing at, during his baby very face run is doing the most simplest moves and getting them over. So he's going to, he's saying, I'm going to body slam you like Hogan body slammed Andre at WrestleMania 3. <laughs> and then he says to Vincent, I'm going to drag you by your dreadlocks and shove you up Dutch's ass. Which is basically yes. what he said. Um, yes. and whenever MJF promises something, yeah. whenever MJF promises something, he always makes it happen. Yes, so, and we're like, oh boy, this is gonna happen. Yes, so um, yes, that that all happened at the beginning, and MJF uh, tried to do the uh, the sportsmanship thing at the beginning. He's like, oh, this is ROH, right? Uh, sportsmanship, and he gets the sportsmanship chant and extends the hand and shakes Dutch's hand and then immediately pokes him in the eye. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, because he's their scumbag. He's still a yes. scumbag. He's just... He's, th- he's a scumbag, but he's, he's, also a- he's also our scumbag. Yes. Yes. Um, so, uh, they go into a headlock uh, takedown. MJF pulls Vincent in and uh, goes to toss Vincent into Dutch, as we mentioned earlier. Uh, but they turn it around into a clothesline by Dutch onto MJ- MJF. Uh, the Righteous take control and tag in and out, hitting moves on Max. Uh, Bossman slam by Dutch uh, for a two count. Acid drop by Vincent for another two count. Uh, Vincent goes to use a chair on the ankle like he did on uh, Rampage the other night. Uh, or was a collision? It was when they were facing Judas Icarus. <laughs> That's a name of a person. And um, any relation to Judas Macias? Uh, I no, I don't think he, so. He is a he Ooh, is in the Canadian independent wrestling scene. Yes, yes, that. he is. But regardless, yeah. this is yeah. when this happened. Uh, so he tries to use the the wooden plank in between the ankles and then do the chair spot like he did in that match. And uh, MJF. Um, gets out of it. The ref sees it coming, throws the chair away. Um, Dutch is distracting the ref, and MJF gets a testicle claw on Vincent. <laughs> That's uh, what that is. I saw the picture around the socials, and yes. I was like, what is he doing? And why is Vincent in that thing? I think you missed a very, very crucial thing. Um, at one point, MJF goes to his corner and tries to tag. Well, and this is I, like, I think I missed that part. yeah, no, I, I caught it. He goes yeah. up and he looks up and he's like, oh, and I was like, oh, because he's not. Yeah, I think there. I might have looked away during that. No, no, yeah. I, that was that happened. Yeah. yeah. Um. So, 
the ref turns around, sees what's going on. Surprise, roll up, two count by uh, MJF. Uh, Vincent goes for another acid drop. MJF moves. MJF hits the 10 uh, um, headshots into the turnbuckle, then the nine punches, and then the bite. That's become a new staple for him that he seems to do in every match, which is, is over like everything else he does. Uh, he continues to fight them off, throws, does the spot that he promised, body slams Dutch, and then picks him up and throws him into the corner and then throws Vincent into Dutch's ass. <laughs> and then he does the kangaroo kick to both of them, knocking Vincent out of the ring. And then he uh, hits the heat seeker on Dutch to secure the victory. Oh, uh, you've, you've got to mention one thing. He hits the heat seeker, the cooks, the, does the pin, and still puts his legs on the ropes. Even oh, yes. Yes, the ropes. That's right. Even though he didn't need to. And, and, and as he does it, as he does it, Bryce, is like, Bryce counts to three. And then as he turns to look, MJF gets his feet off the ropes and he looks at him like this. But he. <laughs> <laughs> like, <laughs> so, yes, that I. That, I remember that. Part you know, well. you know, if, uh, if MJF didn't do his little baby face stick now, Bryce would have been way more aggressive and like, of course. Did you, put, did you put your foot on ropes? Did you put your foot on ropes? No, no. Did you put your foot? On ropes? I'm not, are you sure? Sure. I'm gonna have to restart the match. <laughs> I, I, so, I do feel like if he did do that more frequently, like if he if they if they still maintain these little freakouts with the referees, I think that would just add so much more. Yes. Um. So <laughs> going into the off of this match, I think we're not going to see the ROH tag titles a lot. Um, because if they're not going to take them off of MJF, then they're just not going to get defended as frequently. Which is unfortunate. Yeah, I mean, it, it, it's going to be weird. Like, he's just going to be holding all... It's like, you know, they talk about the modern-day Triple Crown. That's been alluded to for the next match we're going to talk about. But yes, yeah, MJF is the ROH World Tag Team Champions, but he's holding both belts and he's also the world champion. So it's like, is he going to defend these? Like, you know, he's already complaining that he had to wrestle more than once a month mm -hmm. or even yeah. once every five, six months. <laughs> so, yes, he, he did mention in the scrum that he is hurting yeah. like, for like the first time in his life because he's wrestling so frequently. Right. <laughs> yeah. Hey. Hey. Turns uh, turns to ten other guys in the back. Yeah, buddy. Welcome to the club. Yes. Um. <laughs> but yeah, and I mean, of course, the world title is going to take the focus now because of the aforementioned Jay White promo and uh, mystery mm. of mystery who attacked him. Toppers. Yes. So that's going to be front and center and. These tag titles are just going to take a back seat. So MJF claims he's going to hold on to them as long as he can and wait for Adam Cole to come back. But Adam Cole is going to miss like a good six months. It, it, if that, it might even be longer. Um, yeah. If, if you, you know, let's just suspend everything else and just believe, yes, unfortunately he's injured, but... 
you know. Is he really? Yeah, and like I will happily be played along if this happens to be true. If this turns yeah. out to be completely because it will be the biggest also because also also yeah. Um, Britt Baker posted a picture of an ankle. Yeah, I, an ankle and and an X-ray. Could be anybody. Yes. Could be, but yeah. conveniently, a photo of Adam us with a doctor or someone. Yes. Uh, and <laughs> in a cast. And it was reported uh, today, the day after the show, that um, Rick Baker's taking time off. So, hmm. is this for that? Is this for something else? Is that a ruse? <laughs> it is gonna be probably. I'm very intrigued. Like this might be the thing that's intrigued. That's gonna intrigue me for the rest of this year, going into 2024. If they stretch it out this long, like who yeah. are these like, mystery attackers? Who is this guy in the devil mask? Like the guy that did that spot, did that clip in the devil mask, is not necessarily the person that they're going to reveal later who it is. Yeah. Um, you know. Big, but also, is it exclusive to the, as you mentioned, like, is it exclusive to the Jay White feud? Is it just a thing that's happening right now because Adam Cole is out? Uh, because the Jay White feud is probably going to last till full gear. Um, yeah. Which is November. Um, so, yeah, it, it, it could, it could be connected. It could not be. But, yeah, I, I guess we'll, We'll, we'll see. see. I mean, I mean, the only the only downside is it's like you built up this group Bullet Club Gold. You know, like they do all this comedy stuff is really entertaining, but when it came down to the most important part, you know, defending your leader, they were nowhere to be seen. I was like, where are these guys? Yes. Where's the Bang Bang Gang? And the Bang Bang Gang wasn't banging that night. It was like they were disappeared. <laughs> okay. Yeah. We are anyway. not going to. We are not going to uh, acknowledge Continuous, that. Yeah. Uh, Tanner, what did you think of this match and the aforementioned things going on before we go to the next match? Sure. Um, I thought the match was was really well done. It it, it just continues to show that. Um, and and I again would have not seen myself saying this a year ago, but I mean, MJF has gone from strength to strength in this run. Um. And the fact that he successfully went babyface ratcheted that up even more. He's got the crowd behind him. They're buying everything that he does. Um, he continues to just look better and smoother in the ring. Yeah, he's just he's just been fantastic. He's he's on the run of a lifetime right now. So I I have no qualms about this match. Is it a great handicap match? Maybe I, I I don't know what a great handicap match is, but if, if there is one, MJF pulled this off spectacularly. Yeah, I I loved every moment of this match, and uh, it it just it, MJF is so good at what he does, and uh, yeah, I um. Can't wait to see what's going to happen with him and Jay White because that match is going to be awesome. Mm -hmm. uh, so the next match on the show was for the ROH World and 
New Japan Open Weight Championships. Um, Eddie Kingston defending both of his belts against the legend, the wrestler, Katsuyori Shibata. Um, so this match was, again, kind of exactly what I was expecting. Um, a lot of striking, a lot of back and forth um, moves, trading of suplexes, trading of chops. There was a lot of chops in this match, <laughs> like a lot of chops. Um, and Eddie Kingston, he was taking him like a champ because every time he would get chopped, he would, I think he would want to fall down. Like, like that's, that's what it looked like to me. Mm. Um, but yeah, there was a lot of, a lot of trading of submissions, a lot of trading of strikes and, um, yeah, uh, we're trying to uh, condense the details here, but um, basically they were trading corner moves like kicks and and clotheslines, and uh, Eddie hit a big exploder. Uh, Shibata fights out and gets hits some Kawada kicks that rock Kingston. Uh, Kingston fights back. Shibata hits a uh, leg trip into an abdominal stretch to the ground, and Eddie fights out of that. Uh, more strikes. Uh, Eddie hits a spinning back fist. Um, it was a one count. And then a Northern Lights bomb for a two count. And then back on their feet, Kingston hits another spinning back fist, the Yurikin, as it's called, and then hits the uh, power bomb that he's now doing. Uh, as a finish and retains. Um, they show respect after the match, uh, bow to each other, and then uh, Eddie Kingston leaves the ring and lets uh, Shibata soak in the ovation. Mm -hmm. So, uh, yeah, th this match was, again, just another another match for, for me and Tanner. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it's 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 a spectacular match, and, and like I said, Shabbat is one of my all-time favorites. Um, Eddie Kingston obviously is the man, right? Like no, a, another guy who's been on the run of a lifetime since joining AEW. Eddie Kingston. Um, I I do find that watching Shibata now obviously extremely uncomfortable knowing everything that we know that that man's been through and then mm -hmm. knowing that he is opposite the side of the ring of a gentleman who loves to do a spinning back fist absolutely <laughs> loves a spinning back fist yes um, so i do get worried for shibata you know in, in those kind mm -hmm. of uh, maneuvers but it looks as though eddie took very good care of him absolutely. he wasn't he wasn't swinging for the head which is something I'm very thankful of. <laughs> and, oh, yeah. Uh, yeah, this was just, it was, again, just a very well-done uh, match. And it's especially helpful when Eddie has a partner on the other side of the ring who is, um, I guess, who who is as familiar with the the people that, that Eddie idolized as, as he is, right? Yes. Um, so, in a nutshell... 
is this for me? I, it's a very different match from the Claudio match that that Eddie oh, yeah. just came off of, but still, I would say uh, equal in terms of quality. Very good match. Also, I like that commentary acknowledged that this was kind of like a clash of styles because mm-hmm. of how Eddie Kingston is more influenced by all Japan, right? The as King's opposed Road, style. King's Road, the King's Road style. Mm-hmm. So, uh, yeah. Alan, what did you uh, think of this match? I mean, another uh, great match, uh, Eddie Kingston. Like, I mean, I love this run he's on. I mean, he, I just, you know, every time like his music comes up, I was just imagining him like looking up and facing down his like all these like legends that he he idolizes, like Anoki and Giant Baba, Masawa, and just like I still look back at that match he had with John Akiyama at Full Gear. I think it was, mm-hmm. was it last year or the yeah, yeah. I think it was last year, I and it was so. just like. The man's emotional state at that point was like, people say, oh, if he retired right then, I think he'd be happy. But, you know, I mean, that's just mm-hmm. if the fan of me talking, I was like, there's more to this. I mean, I mean, the fact that, like, he finally got closure with Claudio in New York when you were there, Mike. Uh, mm-hmm. I think that really just, like, he he, he finished his story alluding to another um issue somewhere it only took 11 years and he did it before cody yeah he did it before the guy who kept saying he needed to finish his story but yeah here's another story that's just unfolding it's like you know who's next who's after akiyama who's after so and so and like it's like shibata you know one of anoki's you know students and like who like i know one of uh anoki's mentees i guess and it's like who's next i mean you know I mean, Moxley did this whole thing like fighting everybody in Japan when he first started AEW. So maybe it's like Eddie Kingston's time to do that. And Kingston getting that uh, G1 this year was so much fun because you could tell he was having a blast in there. Um, And uh, yeah, I want to see what he's going to do now with both of these belts. And, uh, I mean, he's going to continue working both New Japan and ROH, it, it seems, because he's going he's going to uh, to uh, RingQuest on October 14th in the UK. Um, Is so, he? Yeah. Okay. Because I, I heard he had to uh, duck out of some other indie commitments because of... Uh... Yes. I, I believe he's in a multi-man match on the RingQuest. Oh, okay. Uh, I believe it's on the 14th. I, I, I don't remember the date off the top of my head. All I know is that that Osprey and Zack Sabre Jr. seen each other on the show. And I can't wait. No, great. <laughs> um, but uh, yeah, great match. And uh, that led us into the next match, which didn't really surprise me. I think a lot of people really, really enjoyed this match. But the people in it, are just really good at what they do. Uh, it's the TBS Championship match. Chris Statlander defending against Julia Hart. Um, this match, it, it got a standing ovation. That's how good this match was. Uh, these two were going at it back and forth throughout, hitting great moves, strikes. Julia Hart, from the time she entered AEW to now, has turned into not only one of the best women's characters, but one of the best women's workers. Because she has really made this character her own. 
even if it is an offshoot of Malachi Black, she's made it her own in that she her her mannerisms are different than Malachi. Her the the way she plays this character as like very stoic as opposed to his very like um you know his his uh style and like more like uh i can't even think of the word but it's different it it it's she's great she's killing it yeah um it, it it's kind of like you know comparing playing uh, super smash bros and being samus like in the suit and samus <laughs> out of the suit <laughs> very different characters s tier reference <laughs> thank you <laughs> um but yeah uh i thought that this match was great they they were absolutely killing it with strikes and and slams and stuff and uh one of my new new favorite things that julia does is the spider superplex i yeah i love it it's so cool the way and because she's so I, I mean she's so young and so agile so she's able to pull these things off fluently um i believe she's only 22 mm. if i'm not mistaken um but yes uh a lot of uh trading of strikes and moves uh julia took the upper hand uh late in the match with a power slam uh after uh julia no uh stat hit a power slam after julia like jumped at her with a crop for a cross body i believe and uh julia rolls out after um after kicking out of a blue thunder bomb and uh Chris is like on the ropes, like, and Brody Lee is just like in her face. Brody King, Brody King, sorry, yeah. I'm gonna always, I'm always gonna do that. <laughs> uh, Brody King is like in her face, just like yelling at her, and um, Julia, of course, gets back in the ring and she goes for the missed spot. She she went outside the ring to set up the missed spot. Yeah. She had to put the pod in her mouth and all that yeah <laughs> um she goes for the miss spot and uh julia sees it coming and like slaps her as she goes to do it right statlander big... slaps her as soon as she's it was a perfect like deflection yeah, right as soon as she yeah. tries goes to the spray she slaps her in the face and just goes right off the side and um yep. and then hits a michinoku driver for a near fall and then uh, Chris goes for a dive. But Julia gets back up, and this is where she hits that spider suplex, spider superplex, yeah. and then hits that beautiful-looking moonsault that she does, and almost gets the victory, but is, like, overzealous in, like, the leg hooking, and... Uh, she got a foot on the ropes, right? Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah, she did. Statlander got her foot yeah. on the ropes. Yeah. She, 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 like, she was like too strong on lifting the legs. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Um, that, that's what I remember now. Yeah. She hooked the leg to the point where it was too close to the ropes. Yes. So then there was a kick out and Julia goes for the, the heartless submission. Um, but uh, Chris powers out of it and then turns it into a tombstone. Yeah. And um, then holds on to it 
And then she does her finisher, the Saturday Night Fever, which is the underhook uh, tombstone, and gets the victory. Uh, crowd absolutely lost it for this match. Um, and yeah, it was it was so much fun. Uh, they absolutely killed it. Julia Hart is, in my opinion, if she wasn't already, is made after this match. Mm. Um, yeah, really, really good stuff. Um, I, I, I actually see a lot of similarities between this match and the one that um, Tony Storm had with Soraya a couple weeks ago uh, at Grand Slam. Uh, there, there just seems to be a lot of outpouring for the challenger, uh, which mm-hmm. is which is good. Um, it does make the champ look stronger, but uh, you know it, it effectively got another babyface in the mix, and that's never a bad thing when it comes to to AEW. Yeah, I will say that um, in c- comparing, like, you know, just to, to the one time I'll compare two shows, uh, NXT No Mercy. Um, even though Tiffany Stratton lost that rematch for the NXT women's title, uh, nobody really lost that match. Um, she like carried that match throughout the, that whole war with Becky Lynch. And I think I can, we can say the same for Julia Hart in this mm-hmm. CBS title match with uh, Chris Statlander. I mean, Chris, you yep. know, they retained, both champions retained their titles. You've got two future female stars that really prove themselves and are going to be looking at probably bigger and better things going forward. I wholeheartedly agree. And uh, yeah, I, I want to see what's going to be next for uh, stat. I hope she has a, a lengthy feud coming. Uh, and yeah, Julia, Julia is just going to keep getting better and uh, yeah, she's going to win one of those titles eventually down the line for sure um so the next match is a fatal four-way tag team number one contenders match um it's uh the guns versus the lucha bros versus the young bucks versus hook and orange cassidy the only non-brother team in the match (laughs) (laughs) um so this match all right so I, I I I said at the t- at the start that I didn't have really anything bad to say about the show. This is the one thing that I have. I hate these fatal four-way matches that only have two people in the ring. Can't stand it. You have four teams. You should have four people in the ring so you can tag your own partner. It's going to break down anyway, so not like it even freaking matters, but it's just so dumb because, of course, you got the guns trying to do that stupid New Age Outlaws spot where they try to pin each other to win, which the New Age Outlaws actually did once. Which is pretty great. Um, Yeah. But, like, and I get that you hate this match. Well, this match. I hate this concept. I don't yeah. hate this match in particular. You, you this is the, a fun match. You hate the I match hate this time. concept. Right. Yes. Um but I I I don't know, man. There's I, I feel like it's always been built off of the 
the two two big tropes uh you can't see uh my my other hand because it's it's behind my beautiful house here but uh -huh. um uh, two tropes that 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 keep this match alive one the one where the um uh, we'll, we'll call it the foreign tag team partner uh the the, the non-tag team partner in the match tagging in someone who's not on his team i think that the 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 reaction that the other team always gives of the, huh? Yeah. It is always, <laughs> it always gets me. And then the inevitability of the match breaking down, the referee losing control, because of course he's only one man. There's eight mm -hmm. very large men in and around the ring. If you wanted to make sense of this match in the fans' eyes, you would have at least three referees, two on the outside, one in the ring. You know, sure. or at least, yeah, at least Let there was some. Give us some sense. Oh, you mean you some kind of order? Yeah, some I, kind of order. Because you, you, like you said, you might like in these situations where you, anybody can tag in anybody. So it's like, you know, um, it doesn't make it. E it, it makes it like you know way too easy. Considering that and, Colton tried to pin Austin at one point, his own yes. brother, and like I think I saw the New Day try this out once one time, and it's like. Yeah, yeah, this can happen, so what the hell? <laughs> when the New Day were heels, they did try to do this. The yeah. New Age Outlaws, as far as I know, are the only team to actually successfully do it. <laughs> I, I personally um, feel like they should take this concept a step further. Uh, any future four-way tag team matches, uh, you basically... You, you can add the extra referee. I think Cam, uh, I, th I think Alan's on to something here. Uh, mm -hmm. I, I think we add three referees. And I think that we we partition uh, trampolines in and around mm -hmm. the ringside as well, and we turn this basically into slam ball, but slam ball wrestling. Oh, yeah. that sounds fun! <laughs> yeah, like you know, you want to spice up the professional wrestling industry. Why not? Yeah, you uh, know. Imagine the Young Bucks with trampolines, or the Lucha Brothers with trampolines, for that matter. Like, that just Do the Lucha it... Brothers even need trampolines? Uh, but but imagine. <laughs> Can yeah. you imagine a Code Red or, or uh, you know, uh, even better, a Destroyer from outside the ring using a trampoline into the ring? Just amazing. Yes, I could, I could see all of the legs breaking. Just, that, just like that, that would be <laughs> Oh gosh, I forgot all about that. <laughs> <laughs> but uh, all right, so yes, this match was pretty much all of that. There, and there's really no way to like break all of this down, but there's you know two guys in the ring and it breaks down every single time. The referee is just, I mean, and um, so Rick Knox is uh seemingly suspended right now, uh, because mm -hmm. of the John Moxley situation at Grand Slam. Um, yeah, so. He would have he would have been refing this match, and he would have did a lot less than the person that is. Uh, I think it was Paul Turner. Yeah, um, he would have just let it happen. He'd just been like, "I don't." Yes. Care um. But uh, yeah, there was just so much going on here. Uh, it appeared that Phoenix got hurt again. Um. Yeah, he, he was taken out of. A... He he says that uh, there's a report going around uh, with him saying that uh, this is a um, inflammation of, of an old injury that he's been carrying um, since before Grand Slam. 
Yes. So, um, unfortunate about the international title at that point, uh, but I digress. Um, <laughs> yeah. so, so, if Phoenix is out, then this match with Nick Jackson coming Wednesday is not happening. Or like they'll that. have to put somebody else in it. Or just postpone it and just have Nick Jackson face off somebody else. But yeah. that would be weird. It'd be like, oh, he already earned the title shot, so what are we doing? Yeah. Mm. Uh, so this match, of course, there's all these spots going on all over the place. Um, but like towards the end, really, the, the Young Bucks are doing Young Bucks things. And, uh, you know, and um, Hook tries to get the red rum in on Austin, but uh, Nick tags in and hits a 450 while they're in the hold. Which mm. looked like it hurt a lot because you just got freaking uh, hook underneath somebody else taking a 450. <laughs> so that had to hurt. And then uh, Penta tags in and uh, has hook in the gory bomb and then also has Orange Cassidy in a package pile driver at the mm. same time. And Nick tags in and hits the diving stomp spot on that move that normally would be reserved for Phoenix. And then um, they uh, do the uh, they throw uh, Penta out of the ring, and then the Bucks hit in stereo super kicks, and then the BTE trigger on hook to get the victory. So the Young Bucks are now the number one contenders to face the winners of the tag title match later in the night. Um, again. So I assume that they're going to have this match at full gear. And then the persons, the people who won the tag titles match probably won't face the Young Bucks again for like a decade. <laughs> Because the last few times, they only did that once a year. And now they're doing it like three times in one year. Mm. So um, so this match was what it was. It was a lot of fun. Just a lot of no referees doing their jobs. Mm. And yeah. <laughs> I, I think every show... Uh, and, and it's especially true for AEW. I feel like it, you almost it, it's it's almost one of those we have to have that match that adds that extra little bit of chaos, that little bit of like this is just insane fun. There's nothing really to be taken 100% serious in this. And I think you know if if you do want to grade it on like a Hey, how how fantastic this was, or how serious was this? I mean, this, this is probably not gonna be your speed, which you know. I mean, for for you, Mike, that might be the case. I don't know, but there. I still love the match for what it was. Yeah. I just yeah. don't like how these matches always go this way, like yeah. literally every time. Mm hmm. So yeah. I don't I mean, know. That's fair. But uh, yeah, Alan, what did you think of this match as a whole? 
I mean, other than what I just said previously about like this confusion of the four-way tag team type matches, some of these rules. Um, I mean, not much. I mean, they it was like a spot fest all around, and um, I guess I am slightly disappointed. I guess the best word is to use to for the Young Bucks winning. I mean, because. I mean, we got three matches out of FTR and the Young Bucks, and I was kind of ready for like a new, some new thing. Even Orange Hook, at this point, would be more a little more interesting than um, F- them them facing the Young Bucks than the FTR facing the Young Bucks again, or you know Aussie Open facing the, the Young Bucks. That would have been interesting too. Um, yeah, uh, regarding the Rick Knox situation, yeah, I think that. The, the the issue with that the issue in the ring with Moxley was like the sort of straw that broke the camel's back. Was there's probably have been a, a number of issues from before, and I think that man needs either some additional training as a referee, or may may have to they may have to uh, find him another role in the company. <laughs> um, but yeah, this um, you know entertaining, nice little. Uh, Nice little filler match in between uh, some really hard-hitting action, I guess. All right. So, uh, unfortunately, we have to let Tanner go because he has something to do. So, uh, <laughs> the uh, yep. the remainder of the show will just be me and Alan. Yep. <laughs> Tanner. Nothing out of the ordinary there. No, this has happened before. Yeah. <laughs> well, th- thank you guys again for letting me uh, hang out with y'all and talk uh, talk about the show last night. I-, I can't wait to hear what you guys thought about the rest of it. All right. Thank you, Tanner. Later, guys. Have a good, have a good one. All right. So we'll uh, press on to the rest of the show, and uh, we move on to the next match, which is probably the second best match of the entire show uh i don't know if that's a matter of opinion but um it is hangman adam page going one-on-one with seattle's own swerve strictly and i say that because it was very clear who the crowd was behind in this match the whole theme of that match was that it was the sort of like when wrestling comes to Canada, the roles are reversed, sort of yes. feeling. Uh, Heyman Adam Page was booed. He was told, said, fuck cowboy, fuck the you cowboy. Uh, yeah, a lot of uh, derogatory language. Um, Swerve, Swerve owned that crowd, he owned his house, whose house was not an exaggeration, it really was his house. Yes. Um, um obviously the this... Prince Nana dance was very over. Um of course. Yes. Uh yes. So this match is just uh this and the uh <clears throat> the Danielson match are the two matches that I think I would probably go back and watch multiple times. Um because this was such a good match for what it meant. Uh, Swerve going into this match, Swerve was always Swerve was saying how he wanted to be in Hangman's spot and that he felt he deserved to be in Hangman's spot and that he was going to prove why he deserved it in this match. And I wholeheartedly believe that he did that. Swerve is a 
bona fide main eventer now. He beat a he beat a former world champion. He had this match. He he was the babyface throughout this match, mainly because of the crowd. But in that, he turned this match into just an absolute banger. Um, Hangman was fully aware of the situation. He was playing to the crowd every time he would do something. And he would always like look up and see that they were booing him and um, just react accordingly. And um, yeah, there, there's so much great action in this match. But um, the match starts to break down around the time that um, Prince Nana tries to uh, interfere. Uh, he puts a... Uh, well, he doesn't try to interfere. He does interfere. He puts uh, Swerve's foot on the ropes after the buckshot. And uh, he gets caught red-handed. The ref sees it and uh, is basically telling him to leave. But they, the ref spends like a lot of time on this. And then for some reason, Hangman gets out of the ring. This was the one thing I was kind of confused about. He gets out of the ring as the ref is telling Nana to leave. And, then and, it's and like, Nana's leaving. He is sort of making his way up the ramp, but it's like Hangman's chasing after him yeah. as if he's the one he's, in the match. He's like trying to assure that he leaves. Yeah. And then he doesn't actually leave. He just goes up the ramp. <laughs> but um, in that time, in doing that, uh, we didn't realize that Nana was no longer wearing his crown. And uh, Swerve used it as a weapon to knock yes. out Hangman. And uh, then, in doing that, he uh, hits the house call twice and um, then hits the JML driver to secure the victory. Um, there was a lot of great back-and-forth action in this match. A lot of spots that the, the crowd was behind swerve was so over here um and hangman played the heel accordingly and did such a great job in doing it because of where they were um so i highly recommend this match to anybody if you haven't seen the show this is one of those matches you have to see even though i enjoyed everything on it as a whole this is this is one of those matches that is worth every second. Yeah, this was a match that was in contention to be the main event. There were people talking about how, you know, if you're gonna have a main event, you should use one of you should use this match. Now, this mm -hmm. was before the two uh, L three falls was uh, confirmed to be the main event match, and we'll discuss why why that became the main event for obvious reasons. Um, yeah, uh, I watched the post uh, Wrestle Dream press conference that AEW held where Tony Khan does his usual stick of uh, talk about you know to the, to the media and uh, having various performers come and answer questions. So he had Swerve on, and Swerve said, like, Hey man, day one, you signed me, you didn't give me like some you know pity indie tryout like you did with like Kings Eddie Kingston for example he didn't use Eddie Kingston in this 
in this time in this speech but uh he said you didn't just give me you didn't give me like sample matches and then sign me a contract you signed me day one and like i showed i told you i will deliver and he's it took a while took a good two years or so but you know we're finally getting the kind of like swerve as the main eventer like he said in like this the build up to this feud in this feud right you know he he could have if if he was in Adam Page's spot, he might have been the first Black AEW World Champion, and he could still be mm -hmm. uh, the way things are going. Um, yep. You know, I don't I don't see this as just. I mean, I understand why people would see. Oh, this is just because it's Seattle. No, this is a little. I, I I'm sensing there's a little more than that. You know, he is Seattle. He's from Seattle, but you know his appeal is way broader than just Seattle. It's like, yeah, things will catch on, and eventually, people like the cool bad guy, right? It's like the, it's like this is 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 this enduring motif in wrestling that dates back to Stone Cold Steve Austin. They like the cool bad guy, and Swerve is the cool bad guy. You know, he's got his own dancing jester, for example, okay. <laughs> which is a very very funny car, uh, like just just the position. You know, you got your goofy. Nana dancing around, and then when it's serious, the boss will just stop, and then he stops. <laughs> he's like, "Yes, boss." And, he's like, yes. and then it's like time to get down to work, and he's like, "Okay, boss." <laughs> and yes. uh, the rest of the and he's got these three monstrous goons standing behind him, yo. And I, all they do is lose. Yeah, unfortunately, <laughs> um, and, and that's gonna be rectified soon. I don't know. I mean. Can the mogul embassy be like refreshed? Like maybe they take out some guys and like put in new guys. I mean, you got this dude named uh, AJ Francis. There's a former linebacker, I think, from the NFL who uh, just got released from the other place. And uh, he oh, he's Swerve. got a 90 day. Yeah, he's got a 90 day, but he's got uh, some history with Swerve and they've got some yes. similar interests. Maybe they'll, they'll gel at some point too. I mean, I don't know. I mean, like we keep talking about how. He hasn't really settled things with Keith Lee, but I'm like at this point, if they rejoin forces, I wouldn't be surprised. If like Keith Lee went back to being a turn and went to be a bad guy, I'm like, eh, whatever. He he figured yeah. out, hey man, the guy stopped a con a cinder block through my head. I mean, I, my mind is clear now. <laughs> it's like I yeah. I know where it's supposed to be. Um, but yeah, great match. Um, I don't know. I mean, there's some elements of truth to like. Yeah, Hangman, you kind of getting a little soft, maybe a little complacent. I know you just won these nice titles, but still, it's like you've been too comfortable in your spot. And then, do we see a quote unquote edgier Hangman coming forward? Do we see like a full turn? Do we see the Bucks join him since they're a whole team at this point with the titles? Yeah. A lot of interesting uh, potential developments here. Yes, I. I wholeheartedly agree and i and i'm excited to see where this goes because i don't think this feed is over mm -hmm. um so going into the next match the net it, it is a uh wheeler yuda going one-on-one -on -one with ricky starks um so this match of course came off of starks having that strap match with danielson and wheeler yuda saying that ricky starks was uh complaining that he lost and um talked about how he gets beat up by the bcc every day and he doesn't complain 
and uh, he's going to prove why he's better than Ricky Starks because of it. Um, so this match was this match was also pretty good for what it was. Uh, I don't think the result was ever in doubt. Um, but uh, you know they they did a lot of great back and forth action before Big Bill finally made his appearance. Um, he distracts Yuta. And uh, Starks gets the upper hand again and hit and uh, hits a power bomb for a two count. Uh, Starks mocks the BCC with the hammer and anvil elbows. Uh, Yuta would fight back and uh, knock Starks off the apron, and then goes for a dive, but Big Bill catches him, and Yuta fights back and then just just without even trying. Pushes Big Bill into the ring post. Like, Big Bill is very big. He couldn't fight that off. Like, but uh, anyway, uh, so Big Bill is disposed of for the time being. And then back in the ring, Yuta goes for the uh, seatbelt pin, but he gets a two count. Um, Starks recovers and hits a spear, then hits the Rochambeau for the victory. So uh, John Moxley, as mentioned, was on commentary for this match as well, and he spent a lot of time talking about how uh, Yuta is still very young and is still learning and is still going to, in it, even though this is his first big singles pay-per-view match, it was not fully uh, expected that he would win. It was only that he would finally prove that he was worth being in this spot and that he's there's going to be other times where he will get a big pay-per-view win on his own. Um, thought this match was fun for what it was. Uh, Alan, what do you think about this match? Um, it was it was solid. Uh, it's a good filler to uh, what was coming up next. Um, the final couple of matches to round out this pay-per-view. I wasn't. I mean. I, the way it went down, I wasn't surprised. They're building Ricky Starks. Um, they've been building him since, I don't know, let's say the first episode of Collision. You know, uh, you know, I mean, ever since he split from Taz and split from Will Hobbs, they had to do something with him. Like, he won the Owen Hart tournament. Uh, you know, he had some good matches. He had some good matches CM Punk. Um, you know, I mean... Yeah, uh, I mean, there's there's just a lot of, like the sky's the limit for this guy kid right now, um, and so so and also for Wheeler, right? So you know, we there's a lot of potential for both these guys. As I said, with the Chris, with the Statlander and the Julia Hart match, and like nobody really lost here. I mean, they're both these guys are on the upward swing of things. So uh, we'll see what happens. Yep. Uh, so yes, the next match is the aforementioned match that we have discussed uh, that is competing right now for my match of the year. Uh, <laughs> uh, it's the dream match of uh, Brian Danielson and Zack Sabre Jr. Um, so this match was everything that I wanted. <laughs> Literally everything. Um, it was, it was ground 
ground attack, it was striking, it was trading of submission holds, it was one-upsmanship, it was building throughout uh, of just un- unbelievable wrestling from bell to bell. Everything was just absolutely amazing. Um, there, There's just so much that happened in this match that I loved. But um, they spent a lot of time on the ground trading submissions, knee bars, heel hooks, um, arm bars, uh, cattle mutilation. Uh, Sabre Jr. did that submission where he uses his legs to pull the arms back. And Danielson was in that for a long time and got out of it. Right, right, and 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 something Nigel McGuinness said during commentary was that uh, Danielson is the more like reactive grappler in in this in in this case, and Zach was the more the kind of aggressor. He's the one like doing all the moves and like, and it seemed like Brian was more reacting to certain things. Mm-hmm. And just, you know, he did his like his signature stuff, but it was more like Danielson was the one trying to counter, whereas as uh, sack was the guy putting on the move and, and 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 forcing brian to like counter this or then counter that and it's just like yes it was just all over the place yes um so yeah the the pretty much the uh the closing moments of this match were uh when brian went for the cattle mutilation attempt uh it was countered into a knee bar and uh then they sit up and technically like still with the knee bar in but they're they're sitting up and they're looking at each other and just slapping each other (laughs) multiple times and um they get back on their feet and they trade more strikes and then uh then they trade arm bars and then uh again with back elbows and then they trade backslide backslide attempts until uh saber turns that into a penalty kick and then a Michinoku driver, and then he does the 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 leg trapped arm lock, uh, mm-hmm. and uh, that I mentioned. And then Brian gets to the ropes after being in it for a long time. Some more back and forth striking, and then Danielson builds up to hitting the regal plex, which is one of my favorite moves ever. Um, whenever he pulls it out, I I just love seeing it every single time. And then uh, hits the Psycho knee for a two count, but they get back up and he quickly hits another Psycho knee for the victory. Uh, I can't say enough how much I love this match. I can't say how much. I can't say enough how much I want to watch it again. I think you will. Uh, this is and not then, over. <laughs> yeah. Well, I I believe that they will have another one, but I want to watch this match again. Oh, okay. Uh, yeah, yeah. It's like, you know, it's a technical masterpiece you expected. Um, you know, Sack, you know, he made his point that's like, yeah, uh, you didn't make me tap out, you didn't submit me, you had to like knock me out to win. And you know, we'll talk about who was the best technical wrestler in the world. Yes. So who knows? And right? I think that is why that is why Zack Sabres Jr. did not accept the handshake. Yeah. Because yeah, he right. did not prove the point he wanted to be proved which is who is the best technical wrestler because the best technical wrestler should be able to win 
at being a technical wrestler, not the way that Brian Danielson did. And I think Brian Danielson mentioned in his uh, post-match comments that even though he basically had the match that he wanted to have, that he's not satisfied because he didn't win the way he wanted to. And uh, yes, with Zach not accepting the handshake, I'm pretty sure that this match is going to happen again. And I wonder when that will be. Because Brian has talked about wanting to wrestle in Japan. And he's discussed recently that the G1 is not something he can see no, himself doing. Not realistically. But, but Wrestle Kingdom, uh, that there is definitely room on Wrestle Kingdom for Brian Danielson. Mm. So I hope that we get to see this match again, and that would be the place to do it if if I had my choice. So, yeah. uh, yes, uh, go out of your way to watch this if you haven't. And if you have, watch it again, because it's amazing. Um, the next match is a trios match of uh, Chris Jericho, Kenny Omega, and Kota Ibushi. The uh, Golden Lovers, and I, said, I guess uh, Jericho confirmed that he <laughs> trademarked trademarked Golden Jets. Yes, because and, uh, both of them are from Winnipeg. The hockey yes. team there is called yes. the Winnipeg Jets. That is correct. Yeah. So um, they took on the Callis family members of Sammy Guevara, Kanosuke Takeshita, and Will Ospreay. Um, I just want to yeah, note two things. Uh, one, Will Ospreay came out with the group, the Don Callis family. Very different contrast to him at Forbidden Door where he got his own entrance, he's got his own specialized yes. theme music. It's like, yeah, he's it's like to symbolize, yes, he is part of this group. And two, the artwork from uh, artist Mel Coleman is... Once again, blew us all out of the water. It is a rendition of The Last Supper with uh -huh. Don Callis playing the role of our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ, and his disciples, Kakesha, Osprey, and Sammy all looking like stunned and goofy. And you're like, yes. I'm just wondering at that point, which one's the Judas? Well, apparently Sammy is Judas, but in this case, he's Judasing on Chris Jericho, who's not in the painting. <laughs> of course. Yes. So a lot of symbolism there. Um, this match was, again, kind of the match you expected here. A lot of back and forth, a lot of trading of signature moves, a lot of action breaking down, a lot of ref losing control. <laughs> oh, my God. Yeah, this was just messy, I think. Very messy. Uh, but it was still very fun and still a great match. Um, I will say I was surprised at the uh, outcome because I thought these guys would maybe finally get some comeuppance on the Don Callis family, but... No, it's too played, early for that. <laughs> yeah, yes. I mean, they played off on, oh, Sammy. Sammy, you did it again, Sammy. Yeah. yeah. So, Abushi. So, after, like, so there's a lot that happened in this match. There's too much to discuss. But like at one point, Abushi is in the ring by himself. 
against all three members of the Callus family team. And uh, he knocks out Will Ospreay with one strike and then does <laughs> the exact same thing to Sammy Guevara. Oh, boy. <laughs> so him and Takeshita then are facing off and they do a, they have a stare down and they just trade elbows and they did a great job on commentary of uh, explaining the history between everybody in this match, including Takeshita with Kenny and Ibushi in DDT. And um, that was the um, catalyst for them targeting Ibushi. And uh, yes, they had this face off one-on-one and they, they were trading strikes, hard strikes, elbows to the face. <laughs> um, Osprey intercepts on uh, the Kamigoye attempt by Abushi. Uh, uh, and uh, the Golden Lovers, uh, like, team up and try to hit the uh the golden trigger but it that's that's stopped and they are sent out and osprey hits a twisting dive on both of them off the top rope and um then osprey gets back in the ring and he like is making like he's hurt and then he holds aubrey edwards so she can't see that guevara uh like uses um what he used Jericho's the bat. Jericho's bat. Well, no, that was Don. That was Don Callis. Oh, okay. Was um, it? Oh, okay. Yes, that so was Don. Callis. Yeah, I'm trying to remember. He, he, he Aubrey was distracted by. So so what happened yeah. was Guevara basically gets knocked out by yeah. Jericho. Right. And in that moment where Osprey is holding the ref. Yeah. is where Don Callis runs in the ring with the and bat. hits Jericho with the bat. Right. right. And um, they secure the victory off of that shot. Um, like I said, there's, there's just too much happening in this match to break it all down. Kenny, Kenny did the hits. Abushi did the hits. You know, Guevara did a crazy dive like he always does. Standing Spanish fly, all that stuff. A lot of fun. I want to see more of Jericho teaming with Kenny um, because that's just cool to see. Um, I don't know if Ibushi's sticking around for now or if he's going to go back to Japan and then come back when he's needed again. Um, But obviously this feud is not over and Jericho and Kenny will have to continue to recruit people to help them. Yeah, so just I guess my final thoughts on this. There's a lot of like spin-off feuds you can do with this. You know, Jericho says he's gonna go to DDT and face Takeshita in November. So yes. hey, why not have Ibushi appear in you know not you know jump Takeshita since Takeshita you know flew all the way to Japan and hacked him in his dojo? Uh Will Osprey versus um Ibushi, yeah. I probably that's something to see as well. I mean rematch well, that would, either that would rematch- happen. Yeah, that would probably have to happen here because yeah, I don't yeah. know if yeah, I don't know if Ibushi is on good terms with New Japan. That's true. We all, I always forget about that little uh, wrinkle. Um, I mean, yes. man, who else? I mean, Sammy Guevara versus Kenny Omega. You know, Jericho Osprey two, I guess. Um, yeah. Omega Osprey 
five or whatever well, number they are making at. they are making a very big deal about Jericho and Kenny being a team yeah and then blatantly blatantly saying oh this is not a tag team that's going for the tag titles which means that they are going to do that at some exactly point. that long two minute promo at collision backstage was just saying yeah. oh hey if you think this is leading to some sort of like build towards a tag team title run no 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 we're just together for convenience it was like oh okay sure yeah yeah so and that's Omega, that's please. definitely going to happen at some point so this feud yeah. is obvious like i said this feud is not over and we'll see where this goes yeah, from yeah. here okay. yeah okay uh, uh, we're coming up with the final two matches we're gonna wrap up soon as we're winding down so uh that that is correct so yeah. uh we're getting into the tag team title match aw tag team title match of uh the uh ftr defending against aussie open so this match was building off of them having their match in new japan that was, I believe, for the ROH tag team titles at the time. Yeah, I think uh, so. Wasn't and, something uh, that was really that watched that at that point, and we, we didn't really like pay that much attention. So, to it. so but, this match that they had in New Japan was very good, and I did watch it. It's mm-hmm. just that I think it was overshadowed because it happened the same year as the Briscoes trilogy. Yeah. So, um, yeah, this match was more of that. Just these two tag teams absolutely killing it. Uh, unfortunately, it looks like Mark Davis is hurt again because there was a spot off of um, the uh, powerplex, I believe it was, where um, it was broken up with like a dive and his forearm might have shattered. I saw that. Um, it was just, yeah, that was not comfortable to watch. Uh, yeah, and you could tell when, like when they, when they went for the Coriolis towards yeah, the end of the he, match, he, he, could get, yeah. he could not use his arm. Yeah. So it appears that he is hurt again and that Kyle Fletcher is going to be on his own again for however yeah. long yeah. Mark Davis is going to be out again, which is unfortunate because this is kind of similar to how Danielson got hurt against Okada. It was just a freak accident on a dive that you definitely didn't see coming. But also during that exchange, when they went to break it up, it looked like Cash like collided heads with somebody on the breakup or something. Um, but yeah, regardless of like those two little incidents that were concerning, this match absolutely ruled. Um, and yeah, FTR would end up retaining after they hit a spike pile driver on the apron to Davis to knock him out. And then a super shatter machine on Fletcher for the three count. Um, Fletcher would go on Twitter and say that he doesn't know what's next for him. And he specifically said him. He did not say us. Mm, so yeah. I think that that implies that Davis is definitely hurt. Yeah. I mean, it's great ending. The fact that they hear you use a super shadow machine off the top rope goes to show you like how tough these guys were. Um, very sad to hear that uh, Mark Davis has apparently broken his wrist and we need some time off um yeah that's a luck to kyle fletcher um he did show that he can go as a singles guy while davis had his first uh um hiatus uh after being yes. signed by AEW. so there's like a rose if it's in, anything yeah, there's to, a, lot, a, a silver lining in the cloud right yeah if it's anything compared to danielson's injury and davis is much younger than danielson yeah he might not be out that well so yeah. anyway well, 
we will uh-huh. look forward, I guess, to FTR versus Young Bucks. So War. We, we're on to the main event, yes. which um, a lot of people were questioning this being the main event. Obviously, we know why yes. it was the main event. Yes. Um, if I had to pick, the Danielson match would have been the main event for me. Uh, because I think you still could have did this second to last. Um, like, would you have added the ending, the the debut? Yes, like, we'll get to that. Yes, absolutely. And then and then go on to have sex. and then go on to say like, oh, we saved the best for last, <laughs> the match you've all been waiting for, because yeah. nothing was able to follow it as far as a wrestling uh, on a wrestling standpoint. But this match was a two out of three falls match. Christian Cage defending the TNT Championship against Darby Allen. So Darby would get the first fall pretty quickly out of surprise jackknife. Fin- uh, yeah. And then they would just turn it up to 11 as far as the violence was concerned. It went from like and- 0. 0.5 or like less than zero to like 115 or whatever, right? Yes. Like So just- there was a spot where Christian moves the steel steps. And goes to do a slam off the apron. But it seemed like he hesitated. But it, it made it look like he was toying with him. But I definitely think he hesitated because he didn't want to do it. But he did it anyway. He So first he did a slam off the floor onto the stairs. Then they went back on the apron and he did it again. And this was not on the flat surface of the stairs. It was <laughs> on the edge. It was on the steps, basically. On the steps, not on the flat surface on the top, on the actual steps. And, and you can see Darby's back bounce off the steps, and you're wondering, how is this guy not dead? Yeah. At this point. So they did the, the they did a count out on the second fall because Darby was not yeah. moving. And of course, Darby is just really good. I, I don't think he was actually hurt. I think he was just selling really well. Um, I mean, let's hope so, because like he... like, at the rate this kid is going, he's going to be yes. retired by 35. But of course, they made it seem like he was dead because he was not moving. Yeah. And Christian, they did a stretcher job, but Christian was like, fuck that. Oh and he did a frog splash he... off the top turnbuckle on the Darby. On to Darby, on the... who was... But, but even before that, while they're getting the stretcher out, Christian... Decides to strip the ring. Yeah, he so, just starts unhooking the ropes, and I'm saying to myself, um, is this because this is the last match and Christian was asked by the ring crew to take down the I, ring <laughs> at this point? Because, like, can you save us a couple of hours, <laughs> Mr. Cage? Well, yeah, yes. sure. We'll so, we'll so, Christian, so Christian strips the ring and exposes the wood, and then does the splash. He didn't just expose the wood. He took off the mat, like, almost completely. It's like... Yes. We were just looking at planks of wood. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Exposes the wood completely. Yeah, completely. And then, do- he, like you said, does this dive, frog splash off the top rope onto Darby, who's on a stretcher. Yeah. Um, And then they just continue the match. <laughs> it's, like, it's like another 10, 15 minutes or whatever. Can I just <laughs> add in, like... Like I mentioned, we mentioned earlier, Nick Wayne's mom being prominently featured on this show. Yes. As earlier, where her son was in the pre-show with Luchasaurus. She was, her, the camera panned over to must have been like five, ten times. And I'm like, 
guys, can you make it not seem yeah. that obvious? At one point, Christian walks over because you know he's Mr. Suave. And apparently, um, Mrs. Wayne tried to uh, get his attention and was like, you know, feeling him up. And then Pretending she was to a drink in his face. Yes. <laughs> Pretending to flirt with him and all that. And like, so, okay. so they continue fighting with the exposed ring and um, they're hitting power bombs on it. They're, they're hitting like slams on it. And it, it's just like making me cringe every time because that's gotta hurt. That, yeah. Let's remember that's not matte anymore. That's just wood. Yeah, that's just hard the, the, ass wood. The the foam protection is off of it. It's just wood. Yeah. Um and yeah. Uh so Nick Wayne ends up running out. Well, and, let's remember uh, yeah, okay. First Christian so Christian Cage has the out. belt. Yeah, he Christian takes the belt now. Because the referee yes. got speared by him. Oh yes, because Darby's Darby sidestepped the speed. Yeah, Wrestling so, is unconscious. Out I believe it was uh, Re Bryce. Rems I think it was Remsburg. Yeah. 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 So Bryce gets speared, and um, Nick Just Wayne that, comes yeah. out to prevent out. Christian from using the belt. Yeah. And uh, then he runs in the ring and obviously sets up standing I mean, right next it, to Darby. Yeah, exactly. I was like calling it. I was like, Lane okay, is day. three, two, one. Boom, Nick Wayne, the yes. sweet betrayal. So the, the mother story is behind this, I think the story that they're going to go with behind this is that they have discussed about how Darby and Buddy Wayne had a falling out. And um, they never made up. Uh, Buddy died. Oh. Um, mm -hmm. And I guess Darby kind of just took it upon himself to take Nick under his wing without... Uh, making up with his dad mm. because nick was vulnerable he was young he's only 18 now so i feel like this is probably where this story is going nick hates darby for this and yeah he was taking quote unquote taking advantage of him whatever not in okay you know what i mean and um yeah so but yeah, okay. So this was the first surprise, the Nick Wayne turn. So yes. So Nick Wayne uh helps Christian retain by hitting Darby with the belt. And um so they're they just continue stomping on Darby and then yeah, oh did I don't know if you mentioned Luchasaurus was also out at one Yes, time. Luchasaurus comes out yeah, during this. Yeah, doing this. And maybe. this is where Sting stoically walks to the ring. <laughs> Stoically walks. He did not run. I was like, is this Jeff Hardy like dancing his way to the ring again? I was like, well, is he, this I mean, he didn't take time to acknowledge the crowd. He just walked slowly. Um, it's so like, oh had, man, I got to do this again yeah. for the umpteenth time. So he gets in there and does sting. He does sting stuff and then and he gets over tries to fight off. I mean, he's not. He's not 1997 staying anymore. Yeah, that could exactly. fight off, could fight off 20 people. He gets overwhelmed by three guys, and they go to do the one man concerto. I was like, the 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 amount of like foreshadowing was just too obvious. I was like, of oh, they're gonna do a concerto. Is this really so, gonna happen? Yeah. So so continue. then the lights go out, and this right. video appears on the screen that says it's like Our a feature, feature presentation. presentation a previously used video by Sammy Callahan yeah, and yeah. in other media. Mm -hmm. And then we see a person driving a car to the arena and uh, 
then we hear a familiar but not the same um it says you think you think you know him right not a, you a, think a, you know a female him. voice distorted by i guess sound acoustics yes and obviously the one change word in order to avoid copyright infringement issues yes and then suddenly and you hear alter bridge metalingus by alter bridge and the crowd yes. goes insane the familiar sounds of metalingus by alter bridge edge Formal, formerly Edge, going by his real name now, Adam Copeland, the rated R super, superstar. Taz said superstar. I think he did. I think you're he right. did. Taz said superstar. But uh, the rated R superstar, Adam Copeland, makes yeah. the save. But he makes it seem like he's on Christian's side because Edge and Christian best yeah. friends for 20 plus years blah 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 everybody knows the story mm -hmm. but he goes to do the concerto and then swings it at nick wayne then spears luchasaurus onto a chair then gives nick wayne a spear and then they they all retreat as edge helps edge i'm gonna keep calling him edge but adam copeland helps Darby and Sting and shakes their hands as the show goes off the air. So, Adam Copeland is in AEW. Uh, we will use the remainder of the show to talk about this because the match was the match was crazy. We said everything we needed to say about the match. Yeah, um, but it was good for what it was. Adam Copeland is in AEW, and Tony Khan said he is here full time mm -hmm. to wrestle. This is not a part-timers contract like in the other place where you know you wrestle twice a year or three times yes. if you're lucky i will say before that uh going back to the the vignette um i like how as what a car passed through the road it said rated r and a couple of fans picked up on that uh mm -hmm. darby darby allen's the one who said later in the press conference he's the one who helped edge uh, be sorry adam copeland shoot the video um they just yes. happened to do it on the night the seattle mariners won the game and the fireworks went off in oh, the okay. arena in the background which is why you saw the fireworks oh that was so cool. it's not like AEW paid for fireworks that, that just that just helped the video that helped the video it, it, it just helped the video in my opinion because it, it made it seem like he was coming to a stadium that was <laughs> like, like like lighting yeah. up right yeah and i love the fact um, that they got the same almost the same fireworks for mr copeland's entrance um Yes. The same. So, I mean, it's not a it's not a very complex setup, right? No. But no, yeah, no. let's talk. I mean, talk about um, Mr. Copeland and AEW. Um, yeah. There's considering... so much. He he discussed in the press conference, as you mentioned, that he felt he did everything that he needed to in WWE, and that it was time to make a change. It was time to do something different, and he's going to be here to uh, have matches and help as much as he can. And yeah, uh, Adam Copeland is in AEW. He's going to be here for a while. He's going to wrestle. He's wrestling on October 10th for the first time on a uh, special Tuesday Dynamite. So, yep, Luchasaurus. Uh, That's his. Yeah, so he was making his debut imminently. He's going to talk to the fans on the first Dynamite after the show. And um, yeah, Edge, formerly Edge, is in AEW now. So we got a lot of matches to look forward to. And uh, yeah, I can't wait to see 
what he does in AEW. And I mean, he doesn't I, need to win any belts. No. He just needs to have great matches, just like Brian Danielson. Yeah, I mean so, the way the we, the way we've seen AEW in the last month, let's say, like starting from uh the fallout from All In and the unfortunate CM Punk situation. Uh yes. we kind of lost like that big star that was supposed to be the kind of guy being a mentor, being some kind of locker room leader, quote unquote, right? And then when you mm-hmm. went from that to them picking up the pieces and doing actually, I think morale improved backstage, as from what I heard. Uh, yeah. This is pretty big, considering Edge spent almost his, he pretty much spent his entire wrestling career in the other place, and for him to jump ship at what age fifty now to like actually have a fresh start, it's something pretty incredible to hear that he's gonna be there like as like a full-time roster member also helps um i'm not saying like look i'm not saying that just he's like the magic solution but it's incredibly helpful in terms of morale uh from what we've observed in his history he's not had like backstage issues with really almost anyone it's almost like kane when kane was still wrestling nobody had a bad match with kane nobody had a bad word to say about kane everybody got along with kane Glenn Jacobs, yeah, uh, pretty much the same thing here. He discussed how there's so many people in AW that he's never wrestled before, and that includes John Moxley, Claudio, Samoa Joe, so many people that were in WWE as recently as he was. And well, mm-hmm. not 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 John Moxley. John yeah. Moxley was gone. Yeah, yeah. Let's let's look at the, let's look at the timeline. Edge retired in 2011. Around that time, I think uh, Claudio, formerly known as Cesaro, was probably just uh, coming up. Coming up. Yeah. Uh, Moxley was still in FCW. Samojo so wasn't even near any WWE. Edge yeah. comes back in 2020. Moxley left Mo- a year Moxley's ago. Moxley's gone already. Moxley's gone Samoa already. Joe, Claudio was Samoa still Joe there. is on commentary. Um, yes, yes. And Claudio was. Uh, Floundering around the mid card at that point, still on the tag team. Yes, but there was also people there while he was there, like yeah. Malachi Black, right, and like Miro, yeah, and all these people that he didn't even get to face there. Mm. But the the, the laundry, not even the laundry list of people that he can now face that he has never faced, is three times as long as the people that he could have faced in wwe and that's i think what is most important for him to help anybody to look good in there and have good matches with them and for it to matter because of who he is and you can also get another edge and christian tag run out of this (laughs) and have that young bucks match and have that ftr match and have a lucha bros match and have any match with any of these tag teams that are absolutely amazing. So there's so much more for him to do, and he does not need to win a single belt to do it. Yeah, I mean, it would be nice to see, but in terms of just, like, long-term um, build, it it would be like, nah. Okay, so I mean he's he's a multi-time champion. He's a Hall of Famer already. It's like not. I mean, having this title is either doesn't really do anything to advance anything. I mean, I mean at this point, it's like Christian having the TNT title. It's like I don't really yeah. see him needing it. 
that's why I was like, until the whole Nick Wayne turn, I thought Darby was going to reclaim the TMZ title because it was Seattle and it's Darby. And AEW doesn't do that kind of thing. So it was just... Oh. But I'd like in the long-term scheme of things, it sort of makes sense now. Darby no longer needs the TNT title. I, I, uh, now that I look at it now, too, that is also... I think this was the kind of like turning point where we're telling us, okay, I think Darby can move on because um, he's done all he can to try to get the TNT title back. And Yeah, well, he's probably not moving on from this feud. It's probably going to continue. Well, I think he's going to have Adam, little... Adam Copeland as more backup. Yeah, and uh, he's gonna have some words with his uh, former protege as well as. Uh, of course. Yeah. yeah. Of course. Unfortunately, and, I don't think oh, Mrs. Wayne. I don't think Mrs. Wayne will be sticking around. Uh, what is Swerve gonna have to say about this? <laughs> <laughs> it's like, it's like he's looking at these Seattle kids. Like it's like, brothers, hey kids, you're doing it wrong. <laughs> but that is another name, like so. Adam Copeland said specifically in, I mean, he didn't mention everybody, but he specifically mentioned um, Swerve Strickland, um, Mal, uh, Samoa Joe, and I believe uh, Malachi Black. Well, um, did he say that? Okay. I don't remember. I, I remember specifically he did say Samoa Joe and Swerve Strickland. There was two other names I don't remember, but... Um, yeah, so I think we're definitely getting those matches sooner rather than later. And um, yeah, so the former Edge, Adam Copeland, is now All Elite. And that is all we have for this show. As a whole, as I mentioned at the top, I loved everything on this show with little nitpicks on some of it. But, oh, and yes, uh, we talked about how, like, Nick Wayne came out came out with his ribs taped because Luchasaurus beat the shit out of him to start yep. the show. Yeah. And I, the only thing I could think of is that if this was the plan, obviously, if this was the plan all along, they wanted to make it seem believable <laughs> that he would turn on Darby. So Luchasaurus had to kick the shit out of him. <laughs> <laughs> well, is... maybe it just got to the point where he got his shit beat up so much in that pre-show match that he finally yeah. realized, you know what? I think I'm better off with the dinosaur and the delusional narcissist than, than maybe Darby here. <laughs> maybe I think either narrative is possible, but uh, yes, I highly recommend this show. I highly recommend pretty much every match on it, but specifically the Swerve match and the Danielson match. Those are easily the two best matches, I think, of the night, followed by the tag team title match, FTR, and Aussie Open. So um, that is going to do it for us. Um, continue to uh, support us by going to our link tree for all forms of media to listen to this show, as well as our YouTube Um which will be in the description of the podcast. Um, and you can follow us on Twitter at GoBigTimePod. And, uh, yeah, continue to watch the wrestling that you want to watch, not the wrestling that everybody tells you to watch. And uh, we thank you for listening to the show. Have a good one, everybody.
Thank you.